want to make a podcast, Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel so supported in the creation and distribution of my show. Spotify for Podcasters hosts masterclasses, office hours, and more to help creators develop and fine-tune their skills. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello friends, what's up? Welcome back to 8020. My name's Lily, I'm your host. It's been a minute since I've recorded, so I am so excited to be back recording with you guys. I took the first week of January off, which then obviously like flowed into me not having an episode last week, but we're going to talk about some good stuff today and I'm really hype about it. Um, This episode is going to be everything girl talk. It's just going to be like as if I'm your big sister, chatting with you, giving you advice. This was actually inspired by Caitlin Nolan. She did a girl talk video on her YouTube channel. She's one of my favorite YouTubers right now. It's Caitlin Nolan, Julianne Hunter. Those are pretty much the top two YouTubers that I watch, obsessed with their content. But um, yeah, Caitlin Nolan did a video like this. So, so shout out to you, Caitlin. And if you guys want to check out her channel, it will be linked in the show notes. But I loved the idea of just sitting down, talking about all this stuff that, you know, maybe you don't have a big sister or maybe you're not like close to your big sister. or Maybe you just want to hear advice from me. And I literally got like 300 questions and I'm just like, holy crap. And then I posted something on my Instagram story like literally 15 minutes ago saying like last chance to ask me questions. So there's going to be more questions. There's literally no order to this. I haven't even looked at the questions. If you guys want to keep up with me in other places, make sure that you're following me on Instagram. If you want an opportunity to ask me questions next time, make sure that you're following me on Instagram. I have a podcast Instagram too, but I honestly never really use it. I just feel like my Instagram page is like such a hub for everything else. I feel like having a separate podcast Instagram is just weird to me because my podcast is like part of me, you know? So like, of course it's going to be part of my regular page. So I don't know, maybe I need someone to like manage my podcast Instagram page for me, or maybe I'll just like have you guys start like sending in content to post. I don't know. I'll figure something out. I feel like I say that every episode. Anyway, my usernames will be in the show notes. If you guys want to follow me on any of my Instagrams, I also have a YouTube channel. I have a website. If y'all want to check out some of my like health and wellness stuff on my website, I actually just started booking free consultations. Um, because I am studying to be a health coach and I can start seeing clients as of November 2020. But I talk more about my own life on my Instagram channel. Well, what? I talk more about my own life on my YouTube channel and this podcast is for you guys. So let's get into it. Pulling up my screenshots 
I literally have like 20 screenshots of just like random questions that you guys asked me. I'm so excited to go through these. Okay, um, first one. I wish that I just had someone like reading the questions to me and then I could like just answer like rapid fire, but let's do it. I'm also very long-winded, so grab some popcorn, buckle your seatbelt, grab like your vacuum and like do chores around your house or whatnot, but this is going to be a long episode, so buckle your seatbelts. Oh, this is juicy. How did you deal with seeing everyone have fun at college while you moved back home? So it's really interesting because I moved back home about a year ago and I was home for two months and I feel like I was so busy just kind of worrying about myself and my own school and just kind of worrying about getting back to feeling like myself. I was really just staying off of social media. I deleted Snapchat for a while. I kind of took away the option to see what other people were up to. I unfollowed people who like made me feel bad about myself, like people that I knew in real life and on Instagram. And I really just focused on myself. And then March came around and COVID hit and then everybody went home. Everything in life happens for a reason. I truly, truly believe that. And so, you know, all of a sudden I didn't have to worry about FOMO because nobody was at school, nobody was having fun. So I guess my best advice to someone now who maybe is doing online school or maybe you can't go back on your campus, but like other people are still on campus. It's a very, very weird time for everybody. And I know everybody's in so many different unique types of situations, but we're all under the same like umbrella of situations. So it's just bizarre. My best advice to you would be to focus on you. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. Stop worrying about checking up on people who maybe don't really care how you're doing. Just don't worry about checking in. I think that social media is interesting because we have an opportunity to improve our lives through social media by following people who inspire us, who make us feel good about ourselves, who put out content that makes our lives better or even just to keep up with good friends but we also have the opportunity to kind of like self-sabotage and like go down a rabbit hole of comparison and to keep up with people who are no longer good for us and just do all of these things so my best advice to you would be to just turn your darn phone off and surround yourself with people who make you feel good, whether that's your family, you know, maybe it's like your pets, maybe you live alone, you just like have a dog and like you guys just like hang out all the time and it's great. Or maybe those are like a few close friends or maybe it's even just, you know, FaceTiming your close friends if you're back home with your family. But turn off your phone and just notice how much of a difference you feel. If you guys struggle with turning off your phone, not to sound like this is an advertisement or anything, but I actually have a free ebook on my website. It's called the Social Media Detox Kit and it's a two-day phone social media detox and there are a few recommendations of like how to get off social media, how to turn off your phone, Um, you know, if you still need to have your phone on for you know, work purposes or like calling your family or maybe you're in a long distance relationship like I am, um, you know, you want to have your phone on. It kind of takes you through like how to lock your social media apps and then what to do with yourself while you don't have social media. I wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who's participated in the social media detox so far. Every single DM that I've gotten about the social media detox after it's been completed is such a transformative 
experience for people. So if you guys are struggling to get off social media, highly recommend the detox. It will be linked in the description. How do you deal with the whole society idea that you have to have your life together by 18? This is something that I think I still struggle with. I'm 20. If you guys didn't know, I'm going to turn 21 in a few months. A lot of times the idea starts in our own heads that we feel like we should be at a different place. Like we feel like our younger selves would be disappointed because we aren't at a certain place by the time we're 18, 20, 21, whatever. By the time I'm 24, I'll probably look back at me being 20 and be like, oh, I was right where I was supposed to be. Thinking back to where I was when I was 18, I was right where I was supposed to be. I know a lot of times there's a ton of pressure, especially when it comes to like picking a college and picking your major and figuring out what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life. A lot of pressure comes on when, you know, people start asking those questions. Where are you going to college? What are you going to major in? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? And you can't ask an 18-year-old what they're going to do for the rest of their life. I applied to 10 different colleges and I applied as a political science major. And if you asked me what I wanted to do when I was 18, I would have told you that I wanted to be a lawyer. I did an internship at a law office my senior year of high school because my high school had an option to do, you know, like half day school, half day internship when you're a senior. And I literally hated it. So like I had already applied to all of these colleges. I was going in as a poli-sci major. I was going in as, you know, pre-law programs and I didn't want to do that. So you're allowed to change your mind. I finally picked a major this past fall and it was communications. So you're allowed to not know what you want to do for the rest of your life. So I'm majoring in comm, but I'm also doing a nutrition certification outside of actual college because communications is something that is so important to me and it's something that I love, love, love to study. But once I declare that major, I change my mind again. So you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to not know. So this is me giving you permission not to know and telling you that it's okay not to have your life together at 18 because that's just a ridiculous thing to ask of a literal teenager. Y'all asked me a ton of relationship questions. Yeah, long distance relationship advice, boy advice, please. <laughs> My boyfriend's leaving for college next fall. Don't know if we should stay together. So many relationship questions. So I'm going to try my best to kind of wrap all these up into one. All right, we're going to start with this one in the relationship category. My boyfriend is leaving for college next fall and we want to stay together. Any advice? So when I went to college, if you guys have been watching my videos since high school like all of my videos from high school and like early colleges or early college have been privated just because like they're so cringeworthy like I'm not the same person that I was when I was 18 which go back going back to the 18 thing like you're gonna change whatever blah 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 um so when I went to college I was actually dating someone and um we got together in the summer it really should have just been like a summer it was a summer thing that should have just stayed in the summer the relationship itself was very very unhealthy this guy was really controlling like would tell me what i could and couldn't wear we had like orientation the first week of college and um i like wasn't on my phone very much because we were obviously like doing orientation doing all these like icebreaker activities and getting to know the people in our mentor groups and just having this experience of being at college and i really wasn't on my phone a whole lot during those first few weeks of school and this guy was like oh my gosh you would have thought that like i was the worst person 
I think he thought that I was the worst person ever. Um, but I mean, just like accusing me of cheating and like just all this just nasty, nasty stuff. And like looking back, I mean, it was really bad. And my roommate was the one who was like, girl, like you were staying up until 2 a.m. fighting with this guy on the phone. And obviously like I'd go out on the hallway and stuff. My roommate was like, this relationship is not okay. And like, that was the first time that I had really taken a step back and thought about how this person did not make me feel good. He did not make me feel empowered. He did not make me... I'm really going on a tangent here. Sorry, guys. But anyway, this relationship was really, really bad. Obviously, I'm in a much, much healthier relationship now. Sam is literally the most perfect guy. I don't know how I got so, so lucky. But um, my advice to you would be that if you were in a relationship in high school and you know, one of you is headed into college, both of you are heading into college, just trust your gut. And if the relationship is healthy and strong and you guys trust one another, there's no fighting over not answering a text right away. There's no fighting over what you can and can't wear. You know, down to the very basics, you have to have a solid foundation of trust and communication. And Sam and I were actually just talking about this last night on the phone. Um, just about how if we didn't have trust and communication, like our relationship wouldn't be what it is today. And so my best piece of advice to anybody who is going into a long distance relationship, maybe one's in high school, one's in college, whatever your situation might be, because I know it's very different for a lot of people, make sure that you do have that trust and that communication. And if you guys fight over the little things, how can you expect to continue having a healthy, solid relationship if you're fighting over the little stupid things like not answering your phone right away. So follow-up question is how to be happy being single. So once my roommate pointed out to me that, you know, said relationship that I had gone into college with was not good, <laughs> um, I was like, crap, you're right. I tried to break up with this guy a few times and like he literally would not let me. It was really, really bad. It got to a point where like just across the board, so many things were wrong and I honestly kind of forget like how we ended up breaking up. I think I just like blocked him. It was like, we're not doing this anymore. We only dated for like four months. But I was just so shooken up about how awful <laughs> this person was to me and just how bad I felt about myself because of this person. And I wanted nothing to do with relationships or boys. I didn't really care. I just wanted to be single and I just wanted to kind of focus on myself, focus on school. For the first time in my life, I was on my own, wanted to make friends, all that stuff. I think being okay with being single comes with feeling fulfilled by yourself and realizing that you don't need anybody else to fulfill you and the only way that you can actually have a healthy relationship is to be 100% fulfilled with yourself before you bring anybody else in because how can you expect to love someone else if you can't even love yourself so being happy being single comes with being okay with doing things by yourself being okay with being a whole individual and not requiring someone else's attention to be fulfilled. Moving on to some of your questions about how to get into a relationship. The best relationships happen when you're not looking for one. Shortly after I had broken up with this awful guy in my freshman year of college, I met Sam. And we started dating November 
of freshman year. At the time, I obviously wasn't looking for a relationship and it just kind of happened and we just had this connection and it just all felt right. And it was just like unavoidable at that point. Like we just knew that we had to be together. And I know that it sounds so cliche, but seriously guys, the best relationships happen when you're not looking for one. But if you're out there looking for one, you're just going to keep feeling like you run in, into dead ends and then you're just going to like make yourself crazy because you're constantly looking at like every single guy and you're like, oh, that could be the one. He could be the one. But like he's not because you're searching for it. But then when you're not searching for it, that's when it happens. Continuing with the relationship advice, y'all ask like a million relationship advice questions and I'm really loving this because it just kind of feels like we're at a sleepover. How do you deal with long distance? I date a boy who went to DePaul long distance too. That's actually really funny, like how crazy small world. And then someone also asked, how do you and Sam balance talking to each other but not being glued to your phone all day these two kind of go hand in hand and i would honestly say that the best piece of long distance relationship advice that i can give you guys is to make sure that you are giving the other person space but also communicating well I'm recording this podcast, right? And I know that Sam is probably working on a huge project that he has to do at the end of the week. So I texted him before the podcast started and I just said, hey, recording a podcast, love you, I'll talk to you later. I don't think he's responded yet because he's probably working on his project or maybe he's running errands. I know that he mentioned a car wash earlier. So he's probably also doing like a million things and that's totally okay because I trust that he's just doing his project like it's not a big deal there's not a doubt in my mind that's the other thing too guys is like I know that each and every one of you has a very very strong intuition and you got to trust your gut so like if something just feels off feels funky maybe it is look into it you're not going to be crazy for doing it you're allowed to trust your gut obviously I don't have like all the situations and all the very variables for everybody's relationships but like I don't know I just I feel like you know you and you know your relationship better than you think you do. But anyway, biggest piece of long distance relationship advice is to give them space, let them be, and then have designated times where you guys talk. So Sam and I always talk before bed. We talk in the morning. Um, we use the feature on iPhone where you can hold down the mic and record a little voicemail message and send it to someone or send it to each other over text. So, whoa, guys, my mic just almost tumbled over. I'm recording on the floor because the best combos happen on the floor. You know, if like we're too busy to text, we'll just hold down the little mic really quick and be like, hey, love you, running errands, I'll call you in a few, whatever. Um, another tip that I have for you guys is to plan out the next time that you go that you're going to see the person before you leave the person. For us, it's so important to know when our next visit is going to be because it makes the gaps in between visits seem shorter because it's not just like this endless, you know, when am I going to see you next? I don't know, whatever. Have you guys ever been driving somewhere new and you're driving there, you don't know where you're going and so it seems like it's taking a lot longer to get there than it actually is? And then you finally get there and you're like, okay, here it is. And then you drive back home and you're like, oh, wow, it's really not that far from my house. Same type of concept. If you're in a long distance relationship and you don't know when the next time you're going to see them is, it's going to feel so much longer in between the gaps because you don't know when that next time is. I don't know, say like Valentine's Day. I don't know. February 14th, I'm going to go see whoever. It's going to feel a lot shorter. Okay, next question. A few of these just make me kind of sad reading <laughs> because you guys are not giving yourself 
enough credit. Like, you guys are bad bitches, okay? Never forget that. How to know if your expectations for your boyfriend are too high or if he just isn't trying? If you even have to ask that question, you should have high expectations. And if your expectations aren't being met, then you should probably dump him. Next question is, how do I know if my boyfriend's cheating? I don't want to sound insecure if I straight out ask. First off, did he give you a reason to think that he's cheating? And if he did, then you should probably trust your gut. And if he didn't, then you should probably still talk to him about it and be like, hey, I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like I can't trust you. And I know that might be a really, really heavy conversation to have, and that's not something that you can just flat out ask and be like, hey, by the way, I don't trust you. Maybe the two of you need to kind of look into where that lack of trust might have stemmed from because seriously, trust and communication are the two most important things in a relationship and without those two things i mean i feel like i i feel like i sound like a broken record at this point but without those two things like everything is just gonna fall out of place all right this is the last relationship question but a lot a lot a lot a lot of you guys asked about like the timeline of like intimacy i guess we'll say in a relationship and like a lot of you said you know oh i'm whatever age and i haven't done anything like that yet and whatever And all I'm going to say is that that timeline is up to you. And if someone can't respect your individual timeline, then they're probably not the person for you. I know that society has certain expectations for certain people, but you're allowed to make up your own rules for yourself, your own standards for yourself, and... Once again, if someone's not going to respect those standards, then you're better off without them. Other thing too is like, if you have to ask, oh, when am I ready? You're not ready. How to deal with bad body image days. I know that we all have them and it's so hard not to get upset. You're allowed to be upset and you're allowed to have those bad days. And honestly, like I was having one of those bad days, really just bad confidence days on like Thursday and Friday and Saturday too. But something that always, always boosts my confidence is working out. And I didn't work out on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that's probably where the root of my problem stemmed from. And for me, working out is like a huge stress reliever. So not working out kind of made me bottle up some emotions just about other things in other areas of my life and then it all kind of like reflected back on my confidence and or lack thereof and I think for me too working out is a really cool opportunity for me to connect with my body and be appreciative of what my body can do for me and my own movement journey my own fitness journey Um, I've been really into lifting recently and every time that I lift a little bit heavier I just think that it's so cool that this body that I have can do that. Like I can back squat like 130 pounds. I don't know. That's just something that I do for myself when I'm having a bad day is I just remember like all the things that my body can do and like what it has done for me. Um, I don't know if that's helpful to everybody, but that's what I like to do when I'm having a bad body image day. And I also like to let myself feel that way too like you never want to suppress your feelings because you want to like be able to feel your feelings and then feel why you're feeling your feelings um I think journaling is a really cool outlet to be able to feel your feelings and understand 
better, why you're feeling that way. And then I always like to end a journaling session with what's going well for me and what what do I want to change? And those two questions normally help me get to the root of the problem. Next question is, do you ever eat sweets or candy? If so, how often? Just curious because I never really see you do it. So I am a sucker for a good chocolate chip cookie. That's definitely my favorite dessert. And I love chocolate. So I'll just do like a little hue chocolate bar sometimes. I really love the hue salty dark chocolate. I think that's what it's called or like the mint dark chocolate's really yummy. Um, Or like I said, a chocolate chip cookie. I have a recipe tab on my Instagram highlight and my favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe is the first recipe on that highlight. So you guys can check out that recipe if you're looking for a good um, gluten dairy free one. But other than that, I really don't eat a lot of sugar. Um, I don't really eat candy, like I said, other than chocolate. Um, Pretty much within the past year, I've really overhauled my entire diet and I cut out a lot of foods that just don't make me feel good. For me and my body, eating a lot of, you know, candy or like M&Ms or like Mike and Ike's or like, I don't know, anything like that just doesn't make me feel good. Something that's also important to remember is that everything in moderation is fine. You know, you're allowed to have like a handful of Mike and Ike's if that's what you want to have. I'm not saying, you know, don't eat the Mike and Ike's if that's what you're craving. I'm just saying for me and my body, I no longer really crave stuff like that. If I'm going to have like desserts or like sweets, I like want it to be the good stuff, which in my opinion is like my yummy gluten-free dairy-free chocolate chip cookies or like a chocolate bar. Next cue is how to start eating healthy. This is very, very broad, but so many of you asked like how to start my health and wellness journey, how to start eating healthy, and we'll get into specific questions in a second but I would say like a good blanket answer for how to start eating healthier is that first off make sure that you're doing it to feel good if you go in with any other intention than to feel like the best version of yourself you're not going to be able to sustain whatever new lifestyle journey you're trying to achieve so if you're utmost important goal is to feel like the best version of yourself then it's going to be a lot easier for you to transition into eating healthier it's also important to remember that this version of healthier looks different for every single person so so some of my favorite healthy foods might not work for you and that's totally fine There are so many different approaches to eating and healthy eating and healthy lifestyles that it's not one size fits all. If you're looking for an easy way to begin eating healthier, I would recommend picking one meal. Just one meal. Whatever meal is your favorite meal. Say that's breakfast, for example. When I was in high school, I never had breakfast. My first few years of college, never had breakfast. And... No wonder I felt like crap all the time (laughs) because for me and my body, eating breakfast is so important to have a good, nice, nutrient-dense breakfast so it can sustain me for my morning classes, for maybe like a morning workout, for any work that I have to do in the morning. That is so important for me to eat something and especially eat something before I have my coffee. So, you know, all these years never eating breakfast, I didn't realize what I was missing out on. 
until I started eating fruit first thing in the morning or maybe like a nice big smoothie and then moving on to something like oatmeal or avocado toast or eggs. There are a huge variety of different options that you can have for breakfast that are nutrient dense that are going to sustain you all morning long until you get to lunch. And so if you're not really a breakfast person or maybe you struggle to eat breakfast or maybe you just don't really like the breakfast foods that you're eating, maybe you feel like a good hard crash by like 10 a.m. because you're just eating like cinnamon rolls or something. Um, I would just suggest that you add in some veggies somehow, some way. Add in a little bit of protein and just see what happens. One thing that has been so, so helpful to me is the concept of crowding out. This is a tool that the Institute of Integrative Nutrition taught me and that is where you add in healthier options to kind of crowd out the old stuff that wasn't really working for you anymore. So for me, I would add in greens to my smoothies in the morning. I would add in, and then I started adding protein powder into my smoothies in the morning, which I just started doing this past fall. Never used to do protein powder. And then I was like, why did I never use protein powder? I feel like I just gained, you know, two or three hours to my morning because I'm able to sustain myself for that much longer with this protein powder in my smoothie in the morning. So just adding in foods rather than taking out foods is a whole lot easier than trying to just quit certain foods, if that makes sense. On the topic of breakfast, not to totally shout out my free ebooks again, but I know that this resource has been so helpful to so many of you so far, but if you guys are interested in checking out some of my healthy, easy, quick breakfast recipe ideas, I have a whole free ebook on that. It's seven healthy breakfast recipes for busy people and that will also be linked in the show notes and these are breakfast recipes that I make every single morning and I know that you guys are going to love so check those out if you want to eat a healthy breakfast but you don't know where to start how to cook easy and fast healthy meals I don't like to cook because I feel like it takes too long I fell in love with cooking over the lockdown in the spring and I think that learning how to cook has been one of the best and most important tools in my health and wellness journey that I could have ever asked for. I'm really lucky because my mom's a pretty good cook, so we would just cook in the kitchen together. And it starts with the small stuff. Once you find like one or two recipes that you're good at, all of a sudden you'll start making three or four new recipes that you're good at. And then, you know, from those three, four new recipes that you're good at making, you'll kind of adapt those into like 10 new recipes that you're good at making. And then all of a sudden, you'll know how to whip up, you know, salmon and rice noodles and veggies with like a little Thai sauce on top. So for me, those first few recipes that I was really good at making were pasta and veggies, which is really, really easy because you can use any type of pasta. It's boiling water and pasta noodles. My favorite is red lentil, by the way. Just stir fry up any veggies. And I'm going to tell you how to make that right now. You boil water. You pour in your red lentil pasta. This is my version, by the way. You can, you know, obviously adapt this however you choose. Um, Pour in your pasta, red lentil in my case, and do like a little tiny drizzle of olive oil in the boiling water with a little bit of salt in the pasta noodles. And then you're going to chop up some veggies. By the way, it's going to take you making a few crappy recipes to become a better cook. You're not going to be the best, most amazing cook right away, but soon you'll kind of get into a rhythm of 
knowing what veggies go well with your pasta or knowing how long it takes to cook your veggies or knowing you know, the sound of the veggies on the stove when they're done and, you know, what pans work best for your meal that you're going to make. You're going to chop your veggies. My favorites to put in with some pasta are zucchini. I like to do spinach. Um, Depending on what type of sauce I use, I love, love, love a pesto sauce. But if I'm using like a red marinara sauce, I won't do tomatoes. If I'm doing pesto, I will do do tomatoes. So let's just say we're using red marinara sauce just to keep things easy. Boil your water, pasta. Cut your veggies. You're going to cut some zucchini. You're going to cut... Well, you don't have to cut your spinach. You can just put that in. And then what's the third veggie that we could use? Oh, let's do broccoli. I love broccoli. Um, Okay, zucchini, broccoli, spinach. You're going to get a little frying pan or like saute pan and you're going to put like about a tablespoon, maybe two tablespoons, depending on how big your pan is, of olive oil at the bottom. I hope that you guys are doing this right now. That'd be so fun to do like a whole cooking podcast. Maybe I'll do that one day. Pause it while you run down to the kitchen and catch up with me. Okay, now that we're all caught up, (laughs) I hope that you guys are making this. Tag me in your Instagram stories when you make this for dinner tonight. Cut your zucchini, you cut your broccoli into little bite-sized pieces, and you're going to put your olive oil in the pan, and then you're going to put, you're going to start with the hardest veggies first. So that's broccoli and zucchini in this case. So you're going to start with your zucchini and your broccoli, and you're going to stir that up for maybe like three to five minutes. And then you're going to drizzle a little bit more olive oil in the corner. Like you're going to push your your zucchini and your broccoli to the side. Put a little bit more olive oil in the corner. And then you're going to press some garlic into the olive oil. And you're going to add like, like two to three heaping handfuls of spinach into your mix. And then you're going to keep stirring up your spinach and your garlic and your olive oil on that other side of the pan. And then once your spinach starts to wilt a little bit, you can mix everything together. And while you're doing this, add a little bit of Italian herb seasoning. This is an essential piece to make your veggies taste good, is the seasoning. You can find an Italian herb blend at any grocery store. It's probably just going to be like basil, oregano, sage, thyme, maybe a few others that I'm forgetting. And a little bit of salt and pepper, maybe some red pepper flakes if you like a little bit of spice. And then you're just going to saute that up real good. I like everything to be a little bit crispy. So like, I kind of like to saute it like a little bit extra, but you know, you don't have to if you don't like them crispy. You can pour your marinara sauce into a little saucepan, warm it up on the stove, and then you're just going to plate it all together. You're going to do your veggies, you're going to do your pasta, you're going to do your red sauce on top, and then, you know, if you're a cheese person, you can add a little bit of mozzarella cheese on top. I like to do some nutritional yeast just to give it like a little cheesy taste. If you wanted to, you could add some chicken on top. I find that with the red lentil pasta, it's really high in protein, at least the kind that I buy. I'll link the kind that I love in the show notes. But um, I feel so full after just a serving of this pasta and like a good one to two servings of veggies. And just eat until you feel full. Cooking foods that I love to cook and love to eat makes eating healthy so much easier and once you start getting into a routine of cooking foods that you love and eating foods that you love you'll just start to crave those foods over and over again you'll start to crave how good you feel after you eat something and you'll start to really tune into what foods make you feel good and what foods make you feel bad obviously you're going to want to start eating the foods that make you feel good i just want to remind you guys too that All this stuff takes time. It's going to take time to get into this routine of cooking your foods the way that you like them and putting time 
into working on yourself. It's going to take a little bit of commitment and it's going to take time to adapt into this version of yourself that you strive to be every single day. So like, it's okay if you're not good at cooking right now. It's okay if you don't really like to eat healthy. It's okay if you don't like salad. You don't have to like salad to be considered a healthy person. I know plenty of people who don't like salad, but they still feel fantastic. So health doesn't really have like a certain shape or size or qualification. It just has to do with what you're putting into your body, how you're treating your body, how you're moving your body, your thoughts, your mind, who you're surrounding yourself with. Was it hard when people would make fun of you because you had a YouTube channel? Of course. Um, anytime that someone's making fun of someone else, it's not okay. I started my YouTube channel when I was a senior in high school and you would have thought it was like the end of the world. Like you would have thought I like killed puppies or something because like literally okay in my head it was probably way worse than it actually was because I tend to you know overreact to situations and whatnot but I mean obviously everybody thought that it was stupid and my videos were so so cringy but you have to start somewhere and I'm the only person that's allowed to say that they were cringy like because they're mine and like I'm allowed to say that but like I don't know even people who like I thought would be supportive were like weird about it and it was so weird but you know anytime that you do something out of the out of the norm people are going to make fun of you for it and then now those same people are like hitting me up like trying to like have me sell their multi-level marketing schemes on my channel it was definitely a situation that made me have to choose between my dreams and my aspirations and my goals and fitting in. And I've kind of always danced to the beat of my own drum anyway. I don't really ever feel like I fit into a certain crowd in high school. I never really had like a solid friend group. Um, And I also never really talked to anybody from high school anyway. Like I have a few really good friends from high school and like they know who they are. But like other than that, I really have no intention of doing anything related to high school again but I feel like that situation and like having my videos played on blast like parties and having people be I guess just like straight up mean like that that just really made me stronger it helped me build a thick skin to just kind of be like, all right, whatever, like, I don't really care about what you have to say because I'm going to con- gonna continue doing this. And I will say, like, there were a lot of people who were supportive, but there were equally, if not more, people who were just rude about it. And then I got to college and nobody really cared. By the time I got to college, I had, like, 10,000 subscribers. And so I think at that point, people kind of just, you know, thought that it was... I don't think anybody ever thought that it was cool. But I just think that college is a lot different than high school, for sure. I didn't really, like, tell people about it. Like, the only way that they would find out is, like, if they knew. Um, And really, the only people that knew... Well, I guess people knew before I even got to school. I feel like some people knew, some people didn't know. But at that point, I also didn't really care. And they didn't really care. And the only people who, like, know... Like, if I meet someone new now, it's not like, Hey, I'm Lily and I have a YouTube channel. Like... 
I just introduce myself and, you know, if they ask what I'm, you know, what I'm studying, what I do, I would say that, like, the weirdest, like, experiences are, like, if someone, if, like, I'm getting my nails done and, like, they ask, like, where I work, like, most of the time they think that I'm going to say, like, a restaurant in town because, like, my town is so small that I'll be like, oh, I work at, like, this restaurant in Ocean City. That's, like, the standard answer, but I just say I'm a content creator. And then typically they never really say anything after that. They're just like, oh, okay, cool, and, like, nod their heads. That's, like, how I describe my job. Um, but I feel like there are so many things that I do. It's like so multifaceted that just saying like, oh, I'm a content creator, like doesn't really cover it, but I just kind of leave it at that. Can you talk about comparison when it comes to growth online? Fun fact, I actually started my channel around the same time as Emma Chamberlain. And I use this as, as an example to show you guys that one person's growth and success has nothing to do with my growth and success. And... I know that I couldn't handle growing the way that Emma Chamberlain did or the amount of eyes that Emma Chamberlain has on her. Like, I don't think I could ever handle that. Not at least how I am right now. You know, maybe, you know, 10 years down the road, I'll be prepared to have 8 to 10 million people having eyes on me. But that's definitely, I'm not strong enough to do that right now in this stage of my life and and this isn't just for growth online this is for everything that you are on your own timeline and someone else's growth and someone else's success doesn't mean that you're any less successful or doing something wrong it just means that that's not your path and everybody is on their own path if i had blown up like emma chamberlain did which I don't think will ever happen um and I don't think that I want that to happen but if I had I would not be the person that I am today and I would not be doing what I'm doing today which is what I'm supposed to be doing today in this very moment so if you're just starting YouTube do it because you love it if you're just starting your influencing career or starting up a blog or whatever do it because you love it do it because you're passionate about it and share what you're passionate about and make videos about what you're passionate about and talk about what you're passionate about and what you love because if you do something inauthentically, people are going to know. And above all else, I would definitely say that if you're just starting out, always put valuable content above the quantity of content that you're putting out. And if you're editing a video or you're editing your blog posts or you're about to post a picture and you're like, I don't really like this, like I'm bored, I don't think that other people would like this, you probably need to scrap it and start over, which I did about a billion times when I just started out and now I kind of know what works, I kind of know what doesn't work and I know what you guys want to see at this point, but sometimes y'all surprise me and like you, you know, make a video pop off that I like was like, that's weird and then sometimes videos will go up and I'm like, people are going to love this and then, and then they don't, so sometimes I think that I know you guys and then y'all surprise me, but yeah, I mean, just know that you'll get a hang of it and it comes naturally over time and the best type of growth happens organically i feel like the right people are going to land on your page at the right time all right my loves i think i'm going to go ahead and end the episode here thank you for everybody who submitted questions i hope that you guys enjoyed listening if you want the opportunity to ask questions for the next episode that we do something like this i'll have my instagram linked in the description down below also send me a dm let me know what you guys want to hear if there's any topic that you like might want me to elaborate on in like a bigger episode about like a more specific topic let me know 
I hope that this episode helped you guys in any way, shape, or form. If it did, make sure that you are subscribed to the pod. Follow me on YouTube. That's where I post more of my day-to-day life. And Instagram, too. I post stories on there. I've been really obsessed with posting stories. I'm just, like, really on, like, a content high right now. No, that's not the right phrase. I'm really on, like, a content inspired. I'm really inspired. I'm, like, re-inspired. I'm energized. I'm passionate. I'm just really feeling good about everything that I'm putting out. And I'm so... Just I'm loving it right now. So I hope that you guys are too. Love you all lots. Buckle up for next week's episode. It's with Lanny B. Fit. And I am so excited for that episode to go up. So stay tuned, y'all. Love you. And we will chat next week. Bye.